Well, it's, it's good to be here. <laughs> it's good to be here. Um, usually I do like an intro that, you know, pulls everyone in, asks some questions, kind of foreshadows what's to come, and then I read a scripture and I pray. I'm like, I'm just going to pray right off the top. I'm, I'm definitely going to need it. Um, Father, there's a whole heck of a lot going on in the lives of the people here. And some stuff's great, uh, some stuff feels great. There's a lot of stuff going on today and this week, and boy, it's death. It sucks, it's really painful and really hurts a lot. And um, it's been really, really, really clear to me, God, that you, you have something really special for each person here. Father, you've been at work in our hearts. Um, don't let up. Keep going for, for each one of us while we're standing, uh, while I'm standing, while we're all uh, here together. You've got something for each one of us. And um, I pray these next three hours that I get to preach uh, would be like a really special time. Um, yeah, you're good. And uh, I'm so glad to be here with, with these people. So, well, great. So it's actually not three hours. It's going to be significantly less than that. So this past week has been pretty wild for me personally. Um, and if I had to think of like a word picture, it would like imagine like the sea during a storm. And just like, you know, we've all seen the movies where there's like the fishing boat that's out there. And then the guy's like, Captain, look! And then there's this huge wave, like a building of water, and it just crashes down. And this week has felt like that for me, and I think for a lot of us here. We've been hit by a massive wave. Um, there's a lot of big, big, heavy storms that we find ourselves caught up in. But some storms aren't quite like that. Um, some storms, like the one that I'm in, um, they, come on, they come on fast, but they've been quietly building in intensity and ferocity, and then they just unleash themselves over you. Other storms are like hurricanes, where you see them coming for a long time, and you just know it's a matter of time, and you can think about nuking the hurricane, but nothing can stop it. And when it hits land, it's going to unleash life-shaking, landscape-altering destruction. And those are some of the storms we have in life, too. There are other storms that live inside of you, and they're like a whirlpool, and it just sucks you deep. Maybe it's torrents of regret, you know, over-analysis, over anxiety, fear, depression. And sometimes you're like, you go out on the ocean like that fishing boat and then a storm hits you and it's kind of your fault because you were out in the ocean anyway, so it's going to happen. But that doesn't mean it's not a storm. But sometimes a storm hits and there's absolutely no business or it has no business hitting. You know, you're safe on land, the sky is clear, and then a flash flood comes and it sweeps you away. This is a sermon for that, for those times, for the storms. Um, it's actually the first of two sermons. <clears throat> so I'm preaching this week, and I'm preaching next week. So I hope I do really well. Otherwise, it just might be me and Eldon here. And it's just, 
So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think it'll be good, though. I think it'll be good. But one thing I also want to say before I stop, or before I get into this, is um, God's having a great journey this week, uh, spending time with him, working through this stuff. And I'm really indebted to the writings and the preachings of a guy named Ray Stedman. And so a lot of the thoughts that you're going to hear today, they're not things that I came up with. They're things that God showed me and revealed to me through this guy, Ray Stedman. Um, RaySteadman.org, really uh, check it out. It is a great resource for, you know, living the Christian life. Um, also, John Lynch, he's had an influence on some of the ideas and the thoughts that are in here. And if there's ever a point where I specifically pull something from their writings, you'll, you'll know I'm doing it. So, um, Today I'm speaking from 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 to 18. And I'm just going to read the whole thing right through. And my plan today is to get all the way to verse 15 and then go from 16, 17, and 18, and that'll be next week. Depending on how things go, we might have to push some of it off to next week. But let me, let me, let me read this out. So starting with verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power of the will of God, sorry, the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not despairing. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also might be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith according to what was written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all compassion, or sorry, all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This passage of scripture to me is like equal parts uh, interesting and confusing and beautiful and to be honest, a little hard to swallow. And I'm sure there are different parts of what I was sharing and you guys have probably read this before where you're like, oh yeah, that's beautiful. Or like, oh no, I don't wanna think about that. Outer man decaying, Ooh, I don't like that sound. I'm not gonna think about that part of the scripture. But it's important that we look at, the, look at the, the scripture as a whole. And what I wanna do is like, I wanna first, before we jump into stuff, kind of paint a general progression, is the very outset of this passage, uh, Paul is describing us, you know? He, well, he, he starts with describing the treasure that we have. We have a treasure in earthen vessels. And then, so that's us. And then it talks about how we go through stuff. We go through really, really, really difficult things. And it has a devastating impact on us sometimes. But he also wants to remind us that what's going on in the outside has a huge, uh, has a huge impact on what's going on, on the inside, but not necessarily in the way that we think. See, 
Father has proven to me this week and through my life, and I know for sure he's been doing that for you guys as well, that we can be going through the worst storm in the whole wide world. And don't forget, we get to define worst and we get to define world. So in my world, the worst thing I've ever experienced. So one of the things I don't want you guys to do is to look at someone else's struggle and say, oh, I shouldn't feel bad about what I'm going through because look what they're going through. It's like, no, no, you're living in your own world. And if it's the worst thing you've gone through, that's, that's your reality, okay? So don't, I, don't discount your own struggles because you see someone else going through what looks like something that's worse than you. The, the, where Paul ends with this, with this passage, I'm really excited to get there next week, is he talks about the momentary and the light affliction that we go through. And those words don't really compute to me because what I think about what happened to me this week um, and I think what happened to a lot of people here this week, that doesn't feel momentary. Like this, there's stuff that's been building for years that's broken. Like that's not momentary, you know? It, it doesn't feel light to me. It's like there's betrayal that's happened to me this week. Like that's not light. But don't forget, and this is what Paul is kind of building up to, it's, is that momentary and light, those are both sort of like subjective words. They're like adjectives, and both of them are like reference words. So it's kind of like momentary has to do with a moment, and a moment has to do with time. And so if we are kind of myopic, I think I'm using the word properly, uh, which is like short-sighted, and like looking at just what I'm going through right now, and we forget to take a step back and look at the big picture, we, get in ourselves, we can get ourselves into a really dark, scary place. And what Paul wants to do is he wants to remind us, like, hey, there's a bigger story going on. There's a much bigger story going on. And it's hard to see it. And it's hard, it's, it is, it's hard to see it. But what I'm excited to share with you guys today is that Paul actually lays out a way. He shows us here's how to go through the storms and not get crushed. To go through perplexing things, confusion, when nothing makes sense, and to not slide into despair. Here's how to go through pain and survive it. This, that, this passage has been difficult for me for a long time because, you know, persecuted, not crushed, you know, uh, forsaken, or so we're not forsaken, we're like, we're not abandoned, we're not all these things, but like, I, I see people in my life who have absolutely been crushed, they've absolutely been abandoned. And so what I want to say is like this, that one, that one passage, like it's not, that's not a prompt, like that's not a guarantee that you, this, you will never be this way. It's saying there are going to be huge storms in your life and God has made a way for us to always float to the top and to always be riding the waves. And it's not going to be fun all the time. It's not going to be scary, but God promises it will be worth it. So much so that as it says, um, one of the verses in here, it talks about the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Like, so much so that the storm that I'm going through, the storm that you're going through, I believe what God wants to do is he wants to grow us to a place where we can look back on this and say, boy, that was sucked. But you know what? I'm kind of glad it happened because look what God did. And we can't see that right now. It's very, very difficult to see that in the storm. But anyways, 
So that's kind of the big picture. That's what we're going to hope to work through today and then also next week. But So let's just jump right in uh, into verse, in the, starting off with verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power uh, will be of God and not from ourselves. So for me, this verse is talking about, it's, it's asking me, Josh, what's true about your life? You know, uh, we have this treasure. Okay, so what's the treasure referring to? Just throw stuff at me. Just... Holy Spirit, yep. Eternal life. Eternal life, absolutely. Jesus, easy question. We, uh, our bodies and our lives are like the housing for uh, the incredible treasure of Christ's life. In fact, you know, it's Jesus and Josh. You know, it's Jesus and Greg. It's Jesus and Cat. It's Jesus, uh, Jesus in you. In fact, the only part of of the world, like the, that we live in, that's not tainted by sin is that part, is that treasure, you know? And the thing is that can never be tainted by sin. And that's amazing. That's incredible. The second part of that phrase is like having an earthen vessels. And that always kind of struck me as weird because, you know, I, I, I remember watching documentaries as a kid about, um, you know, cutting diamonds and jewels and like, okay, you want to you support the beauty of this, of this beautiful jewel. So you put it in like a really lovely setting, you know, maybe it's, you know, there's like rubies and I'm going to use words like Tiffany. I think that's, that's, a, that's a, a cut, isn't it? Like there's rose gold, like all these. I don't, I don't know a lot about that stuff, but it's like you have the beautiful diamond and you want to surround it with other beautiful things that support that. Like, so I don't understand why is it a treasure in earth and vessel? Like an earth and vessel, that's like Tupperware. That's like... That's like the yogurt container that you keep around for leftovers, but you keep too many of them. It's like, I just got to get rid of these. You just chuck them. Like, that's what that is. I'm like, I don't understand why, why is Paul saying we're in earthen vessels? And so that's a very interesting thing for me to know. And, but that's the point, though, uh, is in the last part of the verse. Paul says clearly that the overarching storyline we are part of is not about us. It's about Christ in us. And so the, the earthen vessel, it's the treasure box. It's a very simple, a very plain treasure box. You know, for you, um, you, know, you might feel like your treasure box is really simple. You might think it's drab. You might think it's boring. Maybe you think it's ugly, right? But the point is, is what's inside the treasure box. And there's a surpassing treasure that all of us have within us. And in fact... The simplicity of us actually elevates and it displays the brilliance of the treasure within us, like to, to a stunning, stunning effect. And so, you know, going back to like, you know, a beautiful necklace is like, we're not the necklace. We're like the dark velvet pillow that the necklace sits on, right? The point isn't the pillow. The point is the necklace. But here's the thing, it's like the necklace needs a place to sit, right? Like it needs a place to sit. And so, like, we get to be part of that. Um, anyways, that analogy breaks down real fast, so don't think too far into that. But um, sliding into verse 8 and verse 9, um, it's in this verse that we begin to realize, understand how God chooses to display his radiance and his glory in the most incredible way. And this is not a real fun thing to think about. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not despairing. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. 
See, Paul is writing from a specific type of context with him, you know, and his, and his companions, and he's talking about the, the difficulties and the struggles that they are going through. What this proves to us is that when we signed on to partner up with Jesus, and we said, you know what, Jesus, I want what you've got. I want to be one with you. I want to be a new person. I want the sin and the shame and the guilt that used to just cling to me, you know, like lint. These pants, for some reason, get really linty. Like, you just can't get rid of it. Like, I want, I want what you have to offer me. When we did that, we actually gave up all of our personal rights. And that's, like, at the time it felt great. But, like, the personal rights, they kind of sneak back into my life. And I start having this idea that, you know, as a believer... You know, there's certain things I shouldn't have to go through, you know? Like, I shouldn't have to go through cancer. Like, I shouldn't have to go through divorce. I shouldn't have to go through, you know, personal betrayal. I shouldn't have to go through financial collapse. Like, but being a believer does not mean that we're insulated from life. We're not protected from life. You know, living on a planet tainted by sin means that difficulties and afflictions and persecutions are par for the course. Now, what I want to be really clear about is this sermon is not about the source of suffering, okay? So I'm not, nothing that I'm saying today is about that. The, the, what I'll say at this point is that I think a lot of suffering is a result of living in a broken world. Um, however, and, and it's, it's just part of the human experience. So we should expect to find ourselves feeling really, really hard-pressed. We're at our wit's end. So the idea that being a believer means you're insulated from any unpleasantness, that's just stinking thinking, right? Like, it's, it's just not true. Like, that's a lie. And I used to have this idea as a kid that, you know, there's like walking by faith and then like walking in the flesh. And like walking by faith is like good things like reading my Bible and like showing up on time for church and like uh, <laughs> making sure my kids aren't too distracting during worship. And like those are all the good things that look really good. Um, and, walk, and walking by, you know, the flesh is like, you know, you know, cheering for the Boston Bruins. And maybe I'm like, I, I eat too much junk food and maybe I look at bad things on the internet sometimes. Like those are all like the really bad things that you can never be forgiven from, especially the Bruins thing. Um, but the thing is, like, that's actually totally wrong. Like, walking, um, and that if you, if you walk in the Spirit and you do good things, that's going to result in, in good stuff for your life, and you walk in doing the bad things, and, of course, you have bad things in your life. But that's, that's not true. Like, that kind of goes back to me of, like, this idea that, that walking with Jesus means there's, like, an umbrella over me uh, that protects me from the rain, and there's, like, a hedge of thorns about me that protect me from any attack, and, like, that's not true. That's not true. Walking with Jesus, you should expect this stuff to happen. Doesn't mean you have to like it necessarily, but you should expect that stuff to happen. We can't avoid or control it. But that doesn't mean we don't try to avoid or control it. Um, you know, for myself personally, I like for a long time growing up, I felt a, I felt something inside of me that said, you know, I'm going to be involved in church leadership someday. And I grew up the kid, like I was a pastor's kid, and my grandfather's a pastor. And so I've seen the inside. I've seen life on the inside. And I've seen some terrible things happen. I've seen, like, people that were friends for years, just in a moment, just that relationship just shattered. Like, the trust you've built up with someone just means nothing all of a sudden. Like, I've seen that happen. So I know, I know what, ha what, I know what can happen. 
And so I would like, I shrunk away from the calling that God had in my life. And I don't regret that. Like, like God has worked through me and here I am standing in front of a whole bunch of people preaching. And it's like, it, like God's done some really incredible work in me. But I, I tried to control that in my life by avoiding and something that would put me in a place where my fears could possibly be realized. And we, like, it's tempting to think you can. But you can't. You can't control. Because like, as soon as you start trying to control your life that way, your life gets a little bit smaller. And then the fear just like develops and it mutates and it morphs. And it's like the antibiotics or like the viral uh, viruses that are like resistant to antibiotics. Like suddenly like, oh boy, this used to stop this fear, but suddenly the fear's back again. So my life gets smaller. My life gets smaller. My life gets smaller. And suddenly I can hardly even breathe. Like you can't, like you can't control. It's really tempting you to think you can, but you absolutely can't. However, there is hope. There's hope in the midst of our affliction, of our pressure, of our persecution. And it's so important to hold on to that. So, are we, are, are we afflicted? Do we have huge pressure on us? Yes. Is there suffering? Yes. Unequivocally, yes. Will it ruin you? Will it leave you without hope? Will it leave you all alone? Will it leave you finished? It doesn't have to. This is a tough thing to say. It really, really honestly is, because I know people who are in way over their heads. Like, these are storm, like freak storms that hit them that had no business hitting them. You know, like, you, you know people like that. You're, you're probably in something like that right now. Despair is only a couple heartbeats away. I know many believers and Christians and dear friends who are afflicted and often crushed. You know, they have perplexities that drive them to despair. But what makes a difference? Paul gets into that into verse 10. Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, the life of Jesus also might be manifested in our body. We know that suffering is inevitable, but we also know it's not all-powerful. And we also know, as we've shared already, that survival depends on our response. How can you ensure you're not crushed, despairing, abandoned, or destroyed in the face of overwhelming waves? Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus in order that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. What does dying of Jesus, what is the dying of Jesus, what does that mean? This is like a really easy part for me to skim over because there's a whole bunch of words and phrases that I don't immediately understand. So I'm like, if I, if I just keep reading, I'll get context. I'll get the most important stuff. But if we do that here, we're missing a big, big thing. Paul isn't referring to like literally getting nailed to a cross. I think most of us probably understand that. However, though, Jesus' cross is symbolic of something that happens to all of us in our lives. So let me think for, like, just think for a second. Jesus is on the cross. Just close your eyes and think, what does he feel like? What's he going through? Was he feeling powerful or impressive or significant? Nope. Was he being applauded by people who, had, who were listening to him? No. The cross for Jesus was a place of physical weakness. The cross was a place of complete rejection by others. The cross is a place of obscurity. It's a place where Jesus 
was willing to lose everything he had built. The cross was a place where Jesus trusted God to bring it back and make it significant. Jesus trusted God so much that he walked willingly to that cross, to that place, quietly, meekly. And we talk about the lamb before the slaughter. I'm like, that, that never made sense to me, but like little lambs, like they're trusting, you know? Um, and this sacrificial system, like they didn't know what was going to hit them, right? So they, like, they just walk right up to the place where they're about to be killed. And they, they didn't know. And Jesus said, like, the scripture says he was like that, except he knew. He knew it was going to happen. And that's what we're talking about. That's what sharing in the death of Christ actually means. Saying, you know what, Father, this is what it has. I'm not going to fight it. I can't fight it. I can't control it. So let's go. It's that thing we say, you know, if it's possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. If there's any way for me to avoid what's about to happen or what is happening, if there's any way for me to get out of this storm, boy, now's the time to pull that trigger. But if not, your will be done. Are you willing to consent to that? Will you give up all the things that make you look important to other people, make you feel significant or valued or heard? Are you willing to take a place of obscurity, trusting God to use it however he will? That's the dying of Jesus. But the power of God is the miracle of others seeing him in us. Others seeing in the midst of our pressure and trial the character and the life of Jesus coming out. You know, the life of Jesus, that sounds great. We all want that. We all want to experience that life of Jesus. Everyone wants to be like him. But the power of God is, the, is a miracle that happens when we trust God and we walk willingly into what he is leading us into. So what does the life of Jesus look like? So let's say we say, I'm going to consent. Yes, I will walk into this. What should our expectations be? What's going to happen? Great, miracle, great miracles? You know? Will you suddenly find yourself charismatic and eloquent and amazing preaching and teaching? You know? Are you suddenly going to start to see, like, you know, earth-shattering impact? You know? As a kid, I, I grew up in, like, my, you know, our church would have people coming in and sharing about how they chose to obey God and everything changed. Is that what we should expect? Ah, unfortunately, no. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but when we give up our rights, that means like we don't get to really get a say in what's going to happen anymore. And that's kind of what this consenting question is all about. Like, what this, in the storm that you're in, it's like, it's bringing back the rights. It's like Jesus said, listen, I, like you gave these to me and I'm holding them like, you can take them back. You can fight if you want to, but will you give it back to me again? You know, actually in Colossians 1 verse 11, Paul talks about how he, he prays that his friends will be strengthened with all power, you know, according to God's glorious might. You know, like, boy, what's the end of that verse going to be? I just can't wait to see what God's glorious might is going to look like. God's glorious might unto all endurance and patience with joy. Endurance, patience, and joy in the midst of your suffering, that is where the life and the power of God manifest. That is the life of Jesus. 
We want the life of Christ, but we also want our own personal rights as, as, as well. You know, the world has all sorts of things to say to people who feel like, you know, they need to get through this hard time. You know, just Google it. Like, your Instagram feed is cluttered with inspirational messages, but the truth cuts through the garbage. We have to come to an end of our dependence on ourselves. We must rely only upon the willingness of Father God to work. And his work is always loving, but it's usually quiet. It's usually behind the scenes. You might not even notice it. You know, often he's transforming us in the midst of our storms without any flash or demonstration. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to consent to that in the middle of your storm right now? If so, the life of Jesus is there for you. It's interesting because verse 10 kind of, um, of this chapter sort of alludes to the idea of like consenting, to stepping into something. But verse, verse 11 is a whole other matter. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. So the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. If verse 10 was urging us to voluntarily relinquish our rights, verse 11 describes situations where securing our rights is impossible. No matter how hard you try, your circumstances or trustworthiness is ignored. If that's where you are, I promise you, you're where God wants you to be. If that's where you are, it doesn't feel triumphant or victorious, but you're being led by Christ in triumph, regardless of how you feel. It's his work that's going to do it, not ours. And that's what Paul is calling us to. Verse 12 and 13. The wind is coming because God said it is. Death works in us, but life in you. Having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. That first verse, death works in us, but life in you, that's very interesting to me. There are people that are following you. There are people that are in close proximity to you, people who are watching you. These people might even be the source of your pain. And Paul is seeing, you know, Paul's saying, like, death is working in us, but life is at work in you. What he's saying is, like, you know, I don't see the life in you yet, but I know it's coming. We're going through death, we're going through pressure and heartache, and it's going to have an impact. I know it's coming because that's the kind of God we serve. That's what this message is for you. It's like, whatever you're going through, you might not see the life, you might only see death, but it's coming. It's coming. Because that's the kind of God we serve. You're not suffering in a vacuum. Your frustration, anxiety, and heartache are building towards something incredible and beautiful. And we can't see it now, but someday, oh, this will be worth it. A million, hundred million times over. The next cha- uh, verse talks about, I believe, therefore I spoke. You know, Paul's quoting Psalm 116.10, where the psalmist is declaring by faith, that the trials and the pressure he's going through are going to have some effect and impact on his surroundings. He can't see it yet, but he says it's going to be true because God has said it. That is where Paul is at. Don't lose heart. That storm is huge right now. It's overwhelming. You're being tossed around and dunked under and you can hardly catch your breath. Everything looks like it's decaying and falling apart. But there is inner life. 
There's inner life that Jesus is just aching to provide for you. And the question for you today is, will you consent? Will you walk into it?